When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to the New Look Midweek Fix with me, Jamie Home. The Midweek Fix is brought to you in association with Sienna Steps. Now, you may have heard us mention last week and you may have guessed from some of the new graphics that we have on the screen. We're going to be testing our new setup tonight ahead of the new season. The idea behind all of this and all the work that Gav has put in behind the scenes is that the shows that we put out will be better for you, the viewer. Uh, we want to make it more engaging visually. Um, so please do let us know what you think in the comments as we go through the show. Gav will be working hard in the background, producing the show uh, to hopefully make sure everything runs smoothly. Now, tonight's show, we're going to touch on a few things. There's been lots in the news this week about Liverpool. So firstly, we're going to start off with the preseason games. And some of the big talking points that come off the back of those. Then there's been a lot of headlines around Liverpool and their contract situations of a number of key players. Um, and are we soon to be seeing a changing of the guard within this current Liverpool squad? And then finally, the big transfer story that's been broken today is that Liverpool are interested in Jared Bowen of West Ham, surprisingly, for a number of people. So we're going to give our reactions and look a little bit deeper into him as a player and see, does he actually fit the profile that Liverpool are after? So we've got lots to get through, as you may have guessed. So I'm delighted to say, joining me tonight to discuss it all, we have Keith, Phil and James from the Red Sea podcast. Gents, how are you liking the new setup? Keith, we've gone up in the world. Oh, we have, Jay. We have. It, it looks great. You know what I mean? We, we've we've warned the, the viewers that we're going to be launching this. So forgive us for any uh, little glitches that may happen. Not that there will be. You know, Gav has worked very hard on this. And I think it looks great. You know, the bits we've seen, the, the sneak peeks we've had at it, I think it looks the business. And I'm looking forward to seeing how the show progresses and what the people think about it. Good stuff. Phil, how things are you, mate? You well? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks great. Um, I was given some feedback last week about my lighting. And it, I can promise as the season goes on, I'm going to sort my shit out because... Been living in this house for long enough, and the spare room is still in an absolute jock. So, I have I have plans. I have plans to get it sorted and uh, get a better lighting system and some actual football memorabilia behind me. All those scarves and jerseys I have upstairs. So there you go. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen because um, we got a little sneak peek before we we started. It looks class, like so. Um, yeah, looking forward to it. Good man. And James, welcome back, mate. Good to have you with us. 
Yeah, good to be here, mate. Um, obviously, get acquainted with you guys a little bit more as the season progresses. Um, obviously, I'm sure the viewers are well aware. Myself and my co-host will be doing all your match reactions going forward for the rest of the season. And it is an absolute pleasure to be here tonight representing the Red Sea podcast, who have just launched our own YouTube channel now. So if you guys in the comments and out there feel to, in your hearts to give us a like and a subscribe, please do, because you can catch us on at the Red Sea podcast on all the socials. That's Twitter, Instagram. We even got TikTok now. Uh, so wow. yeah, catch covering all there. bases. <laughs> yeah. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> Try our little dancers and our layers. <laughs> yeah, listen. I, I kid you not. We we done a uh, we done a kill it dead in sliders challenge, and it it, it went viral. So we've had a few people, nice. uh, a few international entries as well. So I was in the garden as I used to do as a child, throwing the ball up as high as I can against the wall, and trying to kill it dead uh, with my touch and. Yeah, one 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 time and I did it straight away and I was in my sliders and my missus said, Why don't you video that? And I was like, All right. And oh yeah, the missus said that, did she? Yeah. You definitely come up with that idea. <laughs> the missus said it. <laughs> Someone got involved though, didn't they, Jamie? Who who put me to the sword? Tell tell all the viewers. Yeah, my, my nine-year-old son, uh, yeah, so he, he constantly embarrasses me on the football pitch. So I thought I'd just uh, yeah, share the uh, share the embarrassment, mate. And he did a little bit of skill, plucking the ball out of the sky with a back heel. Uh, sorry, mate, I, I couldn't resist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll take my medicine um, and I'm going back to the drawing board. I'm sure I'm going to come up with something again. So I'll rise to any challenge. So you can tell, you can tell your son it's game on. <laughs> you look forward to it mate now we're, what we're going to do we're going to fast forward a little bit to, to the Reds because I don't know if you're like me it was great to see the Reds back in action this week um, unusually yeah. Keith um, it was a little bit brief in that we were playing two games back to back 30 minutes apiece um, what did you, you make of it it's a new one seeing the uh, two separate teams play two 30 minute matches yeah it was it was different as you said um, I know Pre-season games in general are never intense and it's probably a, a, an interesting way of doing it. You know, two 30-minute games, we've got the line up there from the first game and we can see, you know, that there's obviously some big names missing and this game certainly had a lot of youthful players in there. The midfield especially made up of, of uh, Jay Kane. Uh, Leighton Clarkson and, and who don't know Martin's first name, um, but Owen Beck is in there at left full as well. But it was interesting to see Kate Gordon playing up front um, on the right wing for Liverpool because he's a very, very highly rated player. And it was good to see him getting a run out. And you know, even though it's only a thirty minute, a thirty minute stint, you know, for the young lads, I think it's short enough to just get out there and and maybe get a feeler and, and get eased into the action. I think it was a good way of doing it for those lads. Yeah, it, it, Phil, you tweeted something uh, in the week. It's like, what can you learn from what can you learn from these yeah. these games? And and I I'd be a big advocate. I think I tweeted before the game started. You know, you can't read too much into to preseason because ultimately, particularly these first ones are, are glorified fitness exercises. But like Keith said, you know, I think Gordon did himself, uh, you know, a, a, a real. Um, Real justice. I think his first touch, he looked really bright. He was aggressive. And the, the big thing for me is that Ben Davies exists. We actually got to see him yeah. pick a football for Liverpool, which is a new one. Yeah. Anyone who bought their Ben Davies jerseys can wear them proud <laughs> now. He's, he's paid for Liverpool. and Great to see Joe Matt have been there with them and obviously Trent Alexander-Arnold. So that team, the, the back four obviously was the strongest part of it. But Gordon definitely deserves a mention. He showed some nice touches, obviously cut inside and, and got himself a free kick in a dangerous position, which Trent obviously 
you kind of thought, geez, it'd be great now if Trent just put this in the top corner. Went slightly over, but um, yeah, Origi. By the way, that was that was never a penalty, but um, not a, not a hope. no not a hope. <laughs> no, no VAR, so you take them. But um, yeah, like you, you can't take too much out of them. I actually think there's there's. I find with some of these games, there's more negatives than positives because there were certain players I, I was disappointed on, even though it's only half an hour and you don't know what condition they're in. You don't know, for example, if Minamino's legs were like lead going into that game yesterday because he's done so much running in the last few days. We don't know. We, we don't, like obviously the, the Liverpool medical team and the tracking system, they know exactly all the, the coverage they've done in the last few weeks of preseason, but we don't know. So it's very hard to judge. But the, the real positive for me was seeing Joe Matta back and Ben Davis, because we spoke about him last week. We feel that he's going to get in. And then Carrius just brought back nightmares for me. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, like, I, I thought he should have done better in the goal. Um, I, I thought when he shifted over, he shifted straight over to his post where he didn't have to do that. He could have shifted over, not all the way to the post, and maybe he could have got to the one in the corner, in the other corner. But what always reminds me of Carrius when he conceded goals, it was he almost just stretches his arms out and says, what can I do, lads? What can yeah. I do? <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it brought back bad memories for me. And and I think it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an impressive feat to make an error in a 30-minute game off the back of the errors that he's made for the club. But to be fair to him, look, I don't want to throw too much shade as well. He made a way, he made a way in the game, so I'm not going to be too critical. Um, James, I'll, I'll come to you, because I think one of the things as well, when you look at these games, and Phil touched on it there in terms of we don't know where these players are at fitness-wise. One thing we do know um, is that Wacker were a lot further, well, both teams were a lot further down their fitness journey than Liverpool. I think they're one or two weeks away from from returning to competitive action, whereas Liverpool are only just back into pre-season training. So, you know, when you when you look at these type of games, it's, it's difficult to read too much into individual performances off the back yeah, I, I totally agree with you, and, and and I urge the sort of fan base to to take it with a pinch of salt. It's a thirty minute game. You you often see the fanfare on Twitter, everyone going going mental, uh, going oh, Carius again up to his old mistakes and so on and so forth. I'm like, give the lad a break. It's a thirty minute nothing game. Ultimately, when when it's all said and done, after thirty minutes, what can you really take from that? All I think it's just a nice easing to the season, get into the swing of things, see who's see who's sort of digesting what's being exchanged in the tactical elements of of the preseason, and just really to get the boys a, a run out and, and start to say, look, we slowly build the intensity. The big one, you know, essentially the, the main game is gonna come on Friday, which is gonna be a full it's gonna be a full ninety, isn't it? And that's where you might start to see little patterns of play emerging. You start to see who's really on it, who's really starting to get up to, to to speed a lot quicker. But I ain't really fussed about a thirty minute game. I think I think Karis was unlucky. To be fair, he, he's come out. He's come over to the near post, like you said. Could he have remained a little bit more central, anticipated the, the knock back across goal or or the header to the far post? Yeah, probably. But it's one of them ones, isn't it? 
Yeah, I, th- I think that the scars just run deep for a lot of people with with, with carriers. So it's it's difficult to say. I it's so it's too, yeah. it's just one of them when there's when there's a good few of them in the in the back catalogue. Now, if we if we move on to to the next game because there's probably some more noticeable uh, players in this one. And, and Keith, I'll come to you. Um, Canate obviously making his debut is the one that's gonna gonna get all the, all the headlines. Um, and it's some interesting uh, interesting positional changes for some players that we'll come on to. But we'll start with Canate, who, who I thought though I think the one thing that stood out for me in the limited game time was you got a couple of examples of his absolutely rapid pace uh there was one his recovery run he just he blew the lad away which is uh which is good to see yeah Kanate is a player that that excites me Jamie to be honest I've been a fan of his for a while sound like a wanker when you say that you know what I mean oh, I'm a, a fan of the Leipzig defenders and all but genuinely I I said on a pod last summer that I preferred Kanate over Open Meccano and I got lashed out in the comments but I think he's an excellent player and I think what his attributes are are so suited to us he's quick he's He's a big unit like Van Dijk. He's quick across the ground, but he's good with the ball. You know, I think he's he's the profile, what we were looking for. When we were getting linked with all these centre-backs in January, and it was, you know, uh, Coletta Sard is good distribution and Sven Botman, good distribution, and such and such was quick and such and such was big and strong. Well, he's everything. And I always felt he was our main target in January. And when we couldn't get him because we played Leipzig, it was a case of just patching in what we could, and that's why we got Quebec. So I was looking forward to seeing him. It's only his first preseason game. It was only a 30-minute game, but really, really impressed with him. And this team, as you said, it's a, it's, a, it's a much stronger team, you know, even like Adrian in goal. We all know, you know, Cardius gives us nightmares. Adrian's not too far behind. But uh, young Connor Bradley played at right back. Other than, you know... Other than that, it was a, a very experienced team. But I want to touch on Simicas as well, Jamie. I thought Simicas was excellent in the little cameo we got from him. And he's a player that hasn't been able to to show us what he's made of. And I think that's down to, you know, he got COVID. He had a bad injury, he had a couple of niggly injuries. And then the fact that we'd lost so many players, um, you know, centre-backs, it just put the pressure on Robertson that we couldn't really rest them. And I think Simicas just was unfairly criticised maybe uh, and into the summer people were writing him off and oh, he's out the door, he's out the door and I don't think that's the case. I think he's he's highly rated and any little cameo I've seen of him, he looks decent. So yeah, I thought this team, uh, at the back I thought, yeah, Reese Williams, a lot to learn but I think he, he looked okay. But it was up front, the main player that um, sort of excited me anyway was was Harvey Elliott and getting to see Harvey Elliott playing is something that I'm hoping we'll see a lot more of this season. I hope he stays with the squad. I hope he's not sent out alone. Um, but he's just a player that you know if he played for any other team we'd be raving about him because he's with us. We look for excuses not to knock him down. We're not uh, we're not like that. But you know we look for excuses to say oh but we need someone better we need someone more experienced well Man City didn't need someone more experienced with Phil Foden and other other teams with young players will give them a chance I would like to see Harvey Elliott getting a chance this year staying around the squad and just getting you know 10-15 games whether they're off the bench or, or the odd start here and there I think it'll aid his development better than going out on loan 
Absolutely. And Phil, staying with with Harvey Elliott, because I suppose uh, there's been some some interesting quotes that have come out of Klopp this week. Um, one one in particular, he said that uh, Harvey, whilst he'd been a Blackburn, had, had made some big steps. Um, and, and I think it's time for us to take the, the next big steps together. That's, that quote in itself is telling in, in, in exactly where Harvey Elliott could fit into this squad in the next season. Yeah, absolutely. It excites Liverpool fans when you hear Klopp talking about it because it sounds like he's ready to to give him his chance. Now, his chance mightn't be, he's not going to be a regular, but we saw with Curtis Jones last season that, you know, he, he showed he was good enough to play in the first team. But there's just a real buzz about Elliot when he gets on the ball where, you know, he just has that energy where, and he's not afraid to try something. Okay, he gave the ball away a few times, but you know what? His head doesn't drop. He tried it again. There was one ball that he played in behind where he put a bit of check spin on it for, for Salah. And he just looks like he has that array of, of passes and he's got a rocket of a shot in him as well and, and so young. And it can only be a good thing that he is going to be with the first team and he's just going to get better. Obviously, in training, he's going to be going up against better defenders. He's going to have to learn how to get space how to find more space when you're playing against better players and players that sit in deep but um yeah i think we knew when liverpool signed harvey elliott he was a serious talent and not always doesn't always translate where players fulfill that potential but he's certainly in the right team the right club and he's got the right manager to to bring out the best of them and yeah i think we're going to be excited by harvey elliott this season Definitely. And, and Gav, if you can pull up the, the stats, uh, it's basically comparing Harvey Elliott uh, to other teenagers across the, the Premier League and the uh, and the EFL. He ranks the highest in terms of goal involvement for last season. And I think, James, you know, when you look at uh, maybe some of the games that Liverpool uh, come unstuck in last season, um, you know, where we, we basically seem to play the same game for, for what felt like the best part of three three months. Harvey Elliott is exactly the type of player or somebody like a Harvey Elliott that can drift from left to right, that can pick up pockets, uh, you know, in, in behind the strikers and look to create. And when you look at the range of, uh, of the, the assists and the, the, the quality of the, the passes that he's able, like Phil said, that he's able to provide, it's going to be some, uh, some asset to have going into the next season. Do you know what, Jamie? I, I totally agree. And maybe he's that little bit of X factor. That, that little bit of something that we've been missing. Um, like you said, all too often, we've looked a little bit one-dimensional when there was a, there was a period of last season or, or get, going into that season where fans were saying, maybe we've been worked out. Maybe Klopp's formula isn't working anymore because the results just weren't coming. Uh, obviously, we stuck with the process and we were vindicated in that decision because ultimately we, we finished a close run third and only five points behind Manchester United. And given the season which we had, you, 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 you would take that. But... Just, just sticking with Harvey Elliott, you know, what a talent. Uh, you know, I, I was on a pod earlier on and also yesterday um, we were talking about Harvey Elliott and potential mistakes that have been made in the past with with players like, you know, Harry Wilson, who who arguably was on the same trajectory as Harvey Elliott at the same age and Liverpool loaned him out. Um, you know, he had a successful loan period with with Derby, uh, came back, went to, went to Bournemouth, wasn't the best loan period. Came back, went out to went out to Cardiff, and, and arguably didn't produce. I just think that Liverpool are looking to do this a little bit different. You know, they're they're looking at examples of what we've got in the squad at the moment. You know, a certain Mo Salah um, in there, someone he can learn from. You know, uh, players like Thiago, someone that he can learn from. 
you know, you've got Jordan Henderson, club captain, someone that he can learn from. And are we looking to keep Harvey Elliott around to nurture him and build him into what we want, which is what I like to refer to as Liverpool 2.0 going forward? There's no coincidence that his stats are, are at the top of the tree when you look at his performances from the championship last season. I mean, I watched uh, and I do watch quite a bit of championship football and I did look out for his games. Uh, and at Blackburn, he was absolutely electric, picking up the ball in deep areas and committing defenders. Realistically, last season, if we look at our team, who in our team from deep areas was doing that? I can't think of one person that was picking the ball up and really committing defenders because we were all too scared about what was going on behind us because of the, you know, the the, the lack of consistency with, with the back four. And, and it just didn't allow players to go and play with that freedom that we're used to. If we can get a kid in there that isn't scared, doesn't really care about reputations, and it just wants to go out and perform, that's a really, really dangerous combination. I'm super excited to see what this kid can go do going forward. I really, really am. There's a couple of comments that were, were in, in the chat there about uh, Elliot's perceived lack of pace. And I can say this with confidence, having played against a number of players like this over the years, if you've got game intelligence, you make up for the lack of pace in your ability to take a, a first touch around a corner, uh, to use your body to manipulate self, uh, manipulate the ball away from, from your opponents. Um, and if you look at the, the variety of the assists that Harvey Elliott has been able to, uh, to, to, to bring to, to Blackburn across the last season... I think he could be somebody that could fit into the squad in position of the likes of a, of a Shaq. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how he develops under Klopp because I just think it's it's the perfect time for him to be able to to flourish and and get some quality game time because ultimately we don't want you know we don't want him sat there on the bench not getting game time. He's going to get ample opportunity. And there's there's another player, and I'm going to come to you on this one, Phil. There's another player that. Um, has been making the headlines uh, in the lead up to this game and and then uh, obviously post game and that's Alex Oxlade Chamberlain. Uh, there's been a lot made of his position in the squad. Uh, you know, is is he on his uh, you know at the latter stages of of his time at Liverpool? Should he be moved on? Is there a place for him in the Liverpool squad? And if we if we pull up on social media, there was a there was a quote that came up in the lead up to this game, um, and it was very much around how much Ox has impressed coaches. Uh, in training, in uh, you know, in that kind of more advanced number ten role, and will be considered for that role or uh, you know wide forward roles in the coming season. And then we obviously got to see him operating as a false nine last night. Uh, and you know, Klopp came out off the ba- off the back of the game and said you could see quite clearly after a few minutes that he's a definite option. Uh, you know, in that kind of false nine role. Do you buy into Klopp's thinking there? Do you see him as a as a viable option for that position in the absence of, let's say, a Bobby Firmino? Well, I mean, who am I to argue with Jurgen Klopp? If if Klopp <laughs> sees it in him, then he's obviously doing something right. Um, obviously, it's a little bit of an adjustment for him. There's going to be times when he's got his back to goal. That's not easy. I think we see the best of Oxide chamberlain when he's eating up ground, running towards goal and unleashing that thunderous shot that he has. And obviously he played in he's played in the front three before on the on the right and it hasn't really worked from but it's it's so few games that the sample space is so small that it's very hard to judge him. Like his best games for Liverpool have been part of the midfield three. I I, I correct me if, if I'm wrong, but I, I think the best game he's ever played for Liverpool was that Atletico game. Ultimately Liverpool got knocked out of the tie, but he was sensational that night. And 
he obviously got taken off. He ran himself into the ground. But that is the Oxley Chamberlain that you want to see more often. But if the, if there is an option to play in a in a further role, more advanced role, um, you know, Klopp could be onto something there because look. I don't think anyone's going to argue that Firmino hasn't hit the heights that he he did a couple of seasons ago. I would definitely think Firmino is technically a better player. So when you fizz balls into that 10 area, I think Firmino is able to take care of the ball a lot better than Oxlade-Chamberlain. But if Oxlade-Chamberlain can get into those positions and get turned and he's closer to goal, then we know what he can do. And maybe that's the, the thinking for Klopp that... He has this unbelievable strike in him. And you saw last night as well, he played a lovely ball in for, for Salah, which which surprises all where Salah didn't actually put it away. But yeah, it's it's about um, just creating other options because we've talked about how basically the front three were stopped last season. If we've got other options on other in other parts of the pitch, then the front three also get freed up. They get more space and they start to shine again. So I, I definitely am going to watch this one in interest. I know you're probably disappointed because it probably shits all over that idea of him playing as a right back. I was waiting. I was waiting for somebody to mention that. I'm still. I'm still going to die on that hill. I think it might happen at some point. Um, yeah, I, I. I'd agree with you, Phil. I mean, I. I think like you, Atletico was probably his, his best game. I think there was a couple of standout performances against City in the Champions League, um, and I prefer him as a driving eight. Um, I, I think I love midfielders that are prepared to try and beat a man, and I think the most congested areas on a football pitch are often centre midfield. Um, so if you can have somebody that can beat a man, man in there, break a line and, and, and spring a march on teams. I, I think it's worth its weight in goal. But I do I do think he has some attributes, uh, particularly I think is, is pressing up top. I think it was evident to see last night that he'd, he'd clearly been told to, to press uh, and, and press high and press quickly. Um, but like you, you know, there's there's no one better at bringing the ball down and bringing others into play like Bobby Firmino. So it'd be, it'd be definitely interesting to see how that one plays out. Now, Keith, I want to come to you on a topic that has caused... Fire on social media uh, this week, um, and this is around uh, some strange contract situations and strange reporting, in my opinion, on contract situations from a number of, of outlets this week. And the first one that I want to come to is Jordan Henderson, because um, I think this all kind of hit us like a bolt out of the blue this week. I don't think anybody was was, was expecting it. Um what have you made of, of all of the noises that have come out around Jordan Henderson this week? Do you think it's purely just a case of cat and mouse between agents and club? And and how do you kind of expect this to, to play out? Yeah, I mean, the graphic is up there, Jamie, with all the players who are out of contract at the same time in the summer of 2023. And we can see there's some big, big players in there. We spoke about this before. You know, you have Salah, Mane, Fabinho, Virgil, Bobby, Naby, Hendo, Ox, right? They're all big, important players in one way or another. I think it's just a dance between, you know. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
players up for the nil and maybe agents probably talking. Um, some of the stuff that's coming out is a bit bizarre, in my opinion. I don't like to name journalists, but I think Tony Evans done something about uh, John Henry um, and Brendan Rogers saying he Henderson was terrible and if we could sell him tomorrow, we would, you know, which doesn't seem like it fits with what John Henry and Brendan Rogers' relationship was maybe like and what um, John Henry in general seems like a savvy sort of savvy owner. It doesn't fit in with maybe how I think he operates, but I don't know. But there seems to be a, a certainly, um, I wouldn't say an attack, but a, a revolution by the, the, the journals around Liverpool that they're not holding back on, on stories, you know, that may be negative. I find it's a bit, uh, uh, not disrespect, a bit, it's a bit... Um, Oh, what's the what am I trying to say? It's it's upsetting the rhythm when we're only back in preseason and it's throwing an unnecessary sort of grenade into the into the preparations. And I don't really know what the purpose is of it. Is it journalists? And look, we've we've got Phil on here, and Phil know a lot more about this than I would. But you know, is it journalists? Are they not getting the information? Are they not getting fed the information from the club and they're starting to buy back? Because certain journalists haven't really said that and, and the ones that maybe do get the information are probably holding back a bit and others are, are coming out in a way that they haven't done before. You know, James Pierce is coming out and saying things about Jordan Henderson's contract. Seems a bit counterproductive, but it's if we look at it in any contract situation, there's always stories like this come out. It's always a bit of gamesmanship, a bit of brinksmanship between the player, the player's agents, the club, you know. So it could be just, you know, one day it's Salah, one day it's Hendo. It could be Virgil next, you know what I mean? We've all these important players and I can't see Liverpool selling Jordan Henderson. I could see a situation where his contract runs out and he lays on free. That's what it's looking most likely to me now. But I can't see they're going to sell him. I see Arsenal getting linked with him and things like that. That just seems bizarre to me. I think it's a worst case scenario. I think he just sees out his contract and he let him move on for free. James, it, it does. It, there's a comment there from Adam LFC who says it just seems like it's constant bad news from Liverpool journos at the minute. And and I kind of share key sentiments. I have to caveat this with Jordan Henderson is is one of my favourite Liverpool players. I think you couldn't wish for a better representative of the football club, both on and on off the pitch. But I'm going to play devil's advocate here in the fact that he's got two years left on his contract. I think that would make him 33, would it, by the time his contract would expire there or thereabouts. Yeah. Liverpool as a club have to operate in a way that um, would probably see them not give long contracts out to players of that age, whether it would be anyone within the club. You might get a one-year extension on maybe some type of reduced terms, given the fact that I think it's fair to say, as much as I love Hendo, I think he's probably got one season at full, full, t full tilt and then maybe you'd look at managing his minutes in some way, shape or form because he has had injury problems. As much as it pains me to say, you know, we're a better team when he is on the pitch, but he's not always on the pitch. So I think, you know, the club have to look at this and be objective <laughs> and say, look, coming to the end of uh, his contract, he's 33. We have to offer him a contract that befits his position within the club, which might be on reduced terms and, and reduced uh, game time. Do you think that the club 
would be acting inappropriately given the, all he's done for the club? Do you think he deserves to see out his career on, on, on it and get any terms that he asked for at this stage? No, um, I, I think we need to, to stop for a moment and think about the, the situation that we're in. The guy's got two years left on his contract. Like you said, 33 when the contract comes to an end. Would it be a travesty if he walked out the door at 33 on a free? I wouldn't really be bothered at that point because ultimately Liverpool Football Club seem, and I tweeted about this uh, three days ago, that we're succession planning. We're looking at the future. We're, we're taking a little look into that crystal ball and going, hmm, what do things look like in three years' time? Because let's not forget the big elephant in the room that we all keep skirting around is Jurgen Klopp's contract ends in three years' time. What what do we what do we do then? So I feel the club is trying to get everything in place for a smooth enough transition that we don't end up like an AC Milan. We think about the, one of the greatest ever European teams in AC Milan. Every single one of their players turned 35 almost at the same time on the same day and boom, that's it. They've never been in a Champions League since, nowhere, nowhere near it. So do we want to be that? Do we want to be that kind of that kind of club where we, we, we get sentimental and we hold on to players for a little bit too long? And before you know it, it's affecting our performance going for, forward. I can think of a couple of players in recent history which we which we gave super contracts and never really kicked a ball for us. Joe Colby in one of them. Arguably was a spent force after his time at Chelsea. We brought him in thinking, you know what, we can get him back up to scratch. He's going to contribute. And the lad was always on a treatment table. You know, so for us to start giving out bumper contracts to 30-somethings, I think the club are doing the right thing in terms of their diligence and saying, do you know what, Yes, Jordan, we want to keep you. Of course, the desire is there from the club to keep our, uh, our club captain. And I think there would have been a conversation somewhere in a boardroom saying, well, we've got Ginny Wijnaldum, who's 30, that wants to renew. And we've got Jordan Henderson, who's 30-ish, 31, that wants to renew. Who are we Who are we going to go with, guys? I think there's a decision to be made here. And I reckon the club probably backed Jordan and said, we're going to go with Jordan Henderson. He's more commercially viable for the club, you know, in that respect. He, he, he's a patron of the NHS. He's club captain. You know, all of the work that he's done in, in terms of his period uh, and around the club and, and everything he does in terms of what he does in the community, he's the absolute poster boy for where Liverpool Football Club are at the moment. So I just feel we need to apply a little bit of diligence to this and say, look, we're, two years is a long time. A lot can happen in two years. And if the new manager comes in, I'm sure Jordan will be someone that wants to maybe try and help usher in that new that new era, but he's not stupid. He's a very, very intelligent footballer. Obviously, I don't know him personally, but from what we see, he comes across as very, very intelligent. And I think he would want to be in a position where he can commit as much as he can do to Liverpool Football Club. And does he seem like the type of guy that wants to sit on the bench and play 30-minute cameos here and there? I don't think he's at that point in his career. So there's a long way to go. Let's let's be open-minded. But, you know, I, I trust... Jurgen Klopp, I trust the club to a degree in in their decision making. I said it's just succession planning. One thing I'd jump in, Jamie, just before we move on. Um, one thing I would say is with Jordan Henderson. Jordan Henderson is a culture setter at Liverpool, and he's similar to James Milner um, in the sense that you know even if he's got a, a reduced role on the field, 
I can't see any situation where Jurgen Klopp would want to to move him on. I think it, contracts will be maybe one or two years at max, maybe extension, mm. a one-year contract, rolling contract. And whether Jordan Henderson, at this point of his career, will not be interested in that. But in two years' time, depending on the, the way his body sort of, um, not going to say breaks down, but the way his body, body um, goes at that stage, he might be more interested in it. So I just think it's, I just think we have to, we can't compare them with the likes of Genie or with Emery Chan before them, you know, yeah, that were probably at a different stage of their career and looking for bigger, bigger terms. I think uh, Henderson's yeah. role off the pitch is more important than a lot of other players. And I just, everything I believe about Jürgen Klopp tells me that Jürgen Klopp will want to keep him there and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I agree with you. I, I think Klopp, by all, uh, you know, uh, in every sense of the word, would want to keep him. I think I referenced this on a previous podcast. Um, Damien Hughes uh, has done a, a book where he focuses a lot around cultural architects in the dressing room. And I think Henderson and Milner are the perfect examples of what a cultural architect is for Liverpool. But Phil, uh, you've got to look at this from the player's perspective as well. Whilst I understand the club's position, and the question marks over fitness and, you know, the fact that he'll be 33. You can also understand the noises coming out of Jordan Henderson's camp this week where he feels he should be offered a longer contract given all that he's done for the club. And he doesn't necessarily want to be on reduced terms given his stature and, and everything that he's, he's achieved and, and ultimately become a, a glorified cheerleader, which but many people have him kind of uh, uh, down to be. Yeah, and I think as well... We know there's other players that are going to get tied down to long-term contracts soon enough and maybe he's looking at them thinking, after all I've done for the club, do I not deserve to be treated in the same way? You could argue, like you you look at some of those players that are out of contract in the next couple of seasons and, you know, if you had your pri- priority list, I would imagine, I, I don't know, I'm, from my point of view, I'd be having Alisson and Van Dijk as my top two because we've seen... As soon as they arrived at the club, look what happened. I mean, Salah was there banging in goals and it was brilliant. Uh, Van Dijk arrives, you know, the season finishes on a, well, almost finishes on a high, but then Alisson comes and that's the, the icing on the cake. That's the, the goalkeeper that Liverpool were pining after for years. I'd argue and- the two most transformative signings I think that Liverpool have made. Yeah. The two of them. In recent history. In recent yeah. history, yeah, 100%. So, I think they're they're the priorities, but then Jordan Henderson be looking at the the likes of Salah and and Mane, and he thinks, you know, I'm the captain, I'm the leader of the of this team. And I think one thing we noticed with no fans in the, the stadiums last season, how vocal he is. Now, when you go to games, you can see that he's vocal, but you could really hear it. And look, there, there, there's people that are vocal on the pitch, but they're dickheads about it, where they criticise their own players and they make players nervous. Henderson. I just thought he was brilliant the way I remember the the game the the away game where Reese Williams was playing the Champions League and it was just I know it sounds simple and people think he's just encouraging a young lad but you know it's almost like you're holding the hand of a young lad getting through the the game and it sounds quite simple but not everyone do, can do it and I just think he's a brilliant captain I think Klopp sees a lot of his own personality traits in Jordan Henderson and. He leads by example on the pitch and off the pitch, and he's just the consummate professional. So my only concern is that this becomes a distraction, that this is two years, this is two years down the line, but 
when Jordan Henderson is put up in a, a media situation, somebody just throws out the line, Jordan, um, what's the story with your contract? And he's just going to bat it away and say, look, my um, my representatives are looking after this, so I don't want to speak about it. And you just that would be the only concern that you want these things to be uh, kept kept under wraps and just get on with what's going on the pitch. Keith, uh, Gav, actually, if you can pull up the graphic that uh, that looks at the, the the contracts that are due to expire in the next two years, and and, and Keith, I'll I'll come to you because um, a couple of, of other stories away from Henderson, again around the the contract theme. Um, is obviously Mo Salah. Um, Phil touched on him there, you know, along with with Van Dyke and and Allison. Uh, you know, one of the the biggest players in this club's history in terms of what he's delivered in in his short time with the club. Um, one of the the telling comments that I've seen coming out in the news this week is that um, the club don't expect us to see us grow. Uh, you know, the likes of Mane, Salah, Firmino to grow old together. Um, so. When you're looking at, you know, the type of players that are going to be out of contract in a couple of years and the fact that, you know, we should be looking to keep Mo Salah and tie him down to, to a long contract at all costs, how do you see that playing out? Because they can't all stay around. Uh, so surely there's going to be conversations around potentially, what, you know, breaking up that old guard up front. Yeah, and I suppose, as as Phil said, there's going to be a priority uh, list for who's getting the contract. And I see Fabinho's name getting a few, um, you know, talks of Fabinho getting contract negotiations at the moment. And that could be annoying the the Henderson camp as well. You know, Fabinho's another midfield player. But with when it comes to the front, we done a pod a while ago and I said I would start to break up the front three and Mane was the one I was moving on and people got a bit annoyed about that and I'm a huge Sadio Mane fan I just felt that with the three of them boys all looking for new deals Mane is going to hold the most value obviously Salah is the most valuable but you don't want to lose Salah you're talking about then Bobby and and Sadio and I just felt that maybe it was the time to start looking at breaking her up um, one to go this summer and one to go next summer uh, and replace them with quality not to not to you know replace with potential I think if you are losing these lads you have to replace them with somebody who's ready to step in there and then and ready to go I don't know what the club's thinking is on this because we know the the, the club operates within a wage budget that they give a decent base salary but nowhere near their competitors and then it's all heavily incentivized performance brings her up and because we've been successful it's brought her up and our wage bill is now astronomical so what sort of contract do you give Mo Salah do you know what I mean he's he's on re- reportedly 200 a week is it that's in around what I think he's reported to be earning you know what's fair to give Mo Salah now and is it going to be incentivized like the last contracts where or is are the players getting to a stage now where that incentive stuff can get in the bin. Do you know what I mean? And if that's the case, it's a slippery slope because, you know, Mo Salah, Virgil van Dijk, Alisson, Fabinho, these are all big, big players. Do you know what I mean? And I think we may need to have to pay for some of these. And that's where the problem is going to lie because I don't think we're going to pay them all. And it's either pay them now or sell them now because if you let them run into a year left on that contract... 
we've seen how this plays out before and maybe Henderson has fallen into the the category of the least sort of priority and they think we can do this one maybe next summer and get something done with him and they're probably focusing on the others but I don't know how they're going to manage it Jamie I've seen this list a while ago um, as I said we are doing another show and I couldn't believe the amount the club know when the club sign players and give contracts they're not surprised they're not Michael Edwards isn't watching this tonight and going Jesus I didn't realise they were all up (laughs) I didn't realise these were all up together so the club know what they're doing the club know what's going on but I don't know if COVID's after scuppering things and, and maybe their plan was to move some of these lads on. I don't know, but I just look at that now and I'd, I'd give every one of them a new contract and then sell them. Do you know what I mean? I'd be protecting <laughs> values and I'd be saying to Nabby and Bobby and everyone else, yeah, new deal, there's improved terms. And at the same time, I'd be saying, look, we'll we'll move them out for a decent phase. We won't look for an extortion phase, but... I think the club are in a bit of a, a pickle now with what they're going to do with the lads because there's too many big haters there that are going to look for big, big money. And we said we done a show the other night and I think Sean, he mentioned about Man City. Oh, not Man City, sorry. Bayern Munich, Payne Leroy Sané, a big, huge contract to go there. And now they've got Leon Goretzka knocking on the door saying, I want what he gets. They had Alaba. They couldn't tie Alaba down. They couldn't tie Thiago down all because they're given one bad contract can cause the house to fall down. I think United United had similar when they offered Rash. I think it was Rashford, was it at the time? They offered him. I think it was scandalous money. Um, and now I think they've got two goalkeepers on three hundred grand a week, and it's it's that knock on effect. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's the the amount of money that like they. I think the killer with them was when they gave it to Sanchez, and then De Gea was in contract negotiations, and he'd been their player of the year, and it's like. This fella is robbing a living here. He's getting 400 grand a week for doing nothing. I'm player of the year. I want, you know, more than that. And then you've got Pogba lining up and you've got Rashford and you've all these players. And it happens at other clubs. You know, Barcelona, look at the Barca, the state of Barca. I think they're more like a Leeds, but you know, when Ridsdale was in charge, because I can't imagine Antoine Griezmann and his agent went in saying they want 800 grand a week. But somehow they've come out with 800 grand a week. You know, that to me is the worst contract I've ever seen in football. I don't care if Messi takes a million a week or 11, 1.1 million a week. He earns every penny of that. Antoine Griezmann has been stealing 800. He's 25 million in two years or something he's taken out of. Uh, or more, sorry, way more than that. He's, he's taken out of Barcelona. And it, I just think, you know, a bad contract can really cause problems. And I think Liverpool are in a situation now where they may have to give some of these bad contracts within the house, not within everyone else. You know, if you give Mo Salah 350 a week, relative to his stat stature, it's not that much. But then you get the rest of them all knocking on the door and that's where the problems will start. Is, is, there, is there a possibility that the club um, are doing this on purpose? I, 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 think, I, think there's two, I think there's two elements here. I think the club are well aware, um, like we were saying earlier on, that these boys are all being wrapped up at the same time and maybe it kind of rushes in the new era. It's a chance to clear the decks and looking at it going, who still, who and, and be ruthless. Like something's like looking at some of the comments, let's be ruthless. I think the club are going to be absolutely ruthless where they turn around and say in two years time, right, who's still offering us value? Yeah, you're still offering us value. Let's renew your contract. You're still offering us value. You're, mm, you, you haven't really kicked the ball. So do you know what? You can leave on a free. We're, we're happy to let you go. That's fine. And also, I feel that the agents are, are playing a, a, a cracking game because 
this is the last year where they can earn big bumper fees. As of next season, it's all on reduced terms for agents. They can only earn 10%. So all the agents are jumping out of the woodwork going, we need to get our big, big assets tied down to major deals because otherwise we're not going to earn. That's why the likes of Mina Raiola is flying Harlan's family around everywhere to try and get him sold in this window because he knows he's going to maximise his income. I think a lot of that happens with, with these players as well. And an interesting fact that Kevin De Bruyne recently negotiated his new contract directly with Manchester City and sacked off his agent. So there's a lot of players doing that as well. They're binning off agents. So I, I think it's like you were saying, Jamie, it's a game of back and forth between the club and the agents. And all the media are doing is they're being the puppets and kind of a stirring the hornet's nest to try and get a bit of reaction from someone and whoever bites first potentially may come off worse because Liverpool have demonstrated of Ginny Wijnaldum already that we're not going to be held to ransom. If you want a certain figure and we're not prepared to pay it, then guess what? You, you can walk through the door and it's unfortunate, but I, I think the club are starting to toe the piety line of, and the famous words is that nobody is bigger than Liverpool Football Club. And, you know, it, it's worrying for us fans because we love Jordan and we want him to stay and it would be catastrophic if he was to walk through the door this summer, next summer, or any or any summer after that, we can't really think of a Liverpool football club without Jordan Henderson. But I feel the club have got other ideas. If we just go back to the oh, sorry, sorry, on. Thing, sorry, I just want to add on that is the market, the buyer's market is condensed now. Who can afford these mm. players? Yeah. Basically, it's it's PSG, Chelsea, and Man City. Like the, the two, true. the big the big two in, in Spain are gone now in terms of buying at the top yeah. table. They're, they're an absolutely ruined. Keith obviously mentioned Barcelona. Real Madrid aren't quite as bad, and they so they, they they always manage to, to get magic money out of somewhere. But no longer yeah. can they can they go after players. And obviously, it helps that Liverpool have been so successful under Klopp. But I find now with a lot of players, especially England internationals that um, are in the tra- are, are talked about getting transfers that they're getting priced out of moves. Like say the likes of Harry Kane. Jack Grealish, Declan Rice, stu- like just stupid money, like eighty million for Declan Rice. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You're right. You're absolutely right. And I, I also think, and it's interesting, uh, myself and my co-host um, SS were on Red Men um, this morning, and um, there were some great points made on there. And I'd like to reference one now: is that you know this year we were in the midst of um, talking about Super League. I reckon that. More so than ever, and and like we were saying earlier on, every club knows every intricate detail of everybody's finances. So everybody knows where everybody's at, and more so than we've ever known before. There would have been some detailed conversations going on over tables saying, how much money have you got in the bank? Well, you know, we're actually flat broke. And everybody knows what everybody's got. So when we're talking about selling and buying, like you say, in the market at the moment, it's the desire to sell versus the will to buy. And at the moment, the will to buy is pretty low currently and there's a bit of desire to maybe sell um, for, for, for some clubs. And like you said, the top two aren't there anymore. They don't have the dough to, to start going in and bidding stupid money on players like it was before, stupid wages on players like it was before, being frivolous with money. City do quite a stupid business for, 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 all, for all the stuff that you know that's said about Manchester City. Their business is quite savvy. They've, only, they've never gone over £60 million for a player. So, you know, and they do pay big wages. We know that. But PSG, you know, money's no object for them. 
and they're and they're and they're doing sort of what I like to say is risk free transfers. Ginny in on a free, you know they've got Donnarumma in on a free, you know they've got Sergio Ramos now on a free. So every single club is looking at ways that they can remain competitive, but pay the least amount of money as possible for these players. That's the perfect segue to 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 finish on a couple of transfer bits because if we go to the the social media page, um, there was an interesting quote um, that came out this week and it was very much around uh, FSG and their focus uh, in in the in the transfer markets and it was very much around. Recruiting younger players, um, you know, the, the pandemic had, had ultimately hit revenues badly and the wage bill had increased 95% to 325 million. And the fact that many players, uh, as we've discussed at length, you know, are, are about to hit 30 and are in the latter stages of their time with the club, FSG are very much looking at a rebuilding cycle. And, and off the back of that, and I'll come to you, Phil, because I know you shared a tweet, uh, specific to, to this player. The news coming out today that Liverpool are interested in um, uh, Jared Bowen from West Ham. Um, firstly, were you surprised by the news? Uh, judging by your tweet, it seems like you're a fan of the player. Yeah, do you know what? When when I saw the the, the report, the light. I just I was thinking the light bulb never went with this lad because we've talked about possible players to come in, but the more I think about it, like he is a player that Klopp would love because he'd run through a brick wall for you. Technically, a very good player. He's only twenty-four. He obviously, when he made the move from from Hull to to West Ham, it was pretty clear to see Hull's form fell off a cliff and they got relegated. And they've since gone back up to the Championship. But then he was an integral part of that West Ham team last season. Obviously, they did play a, a counter-attacking game. But I look and I think a bit like Jota, where people were thinking, "Geez, I didn't see that one coming," and you know. It, it's a bit of a strange one, but the more you think about it, the more it makes sense. And look, I know there's going to be plenty of people thinking it's not, it's not a flash enough signing. But who was posting a, a tweet today about uh, he signed for the club a few years ago? Andy Robertson. People yeah. scoffed at that idea that like he just got relegated with Hull. Um, Jared they Bowen both played great. for Hull together, I think, didn't they as well? Um, the, the Bowen, time. But so. Like have we not like one thing we've learned under Klopp is he improves players. So many players that I remember Mane, for example, linked yeah. at Manchester United when Van Hal was there, and I thought to myself, geez, that's a lot of money to pay for him. Then Liverpool signed them and I thought, geez, that's a lot of money to pay for him. And then thirty six million, weren't it? His debut then against <laughs> Arsenal, like, geez, what a bargain he was. <laughs> yeah, I was there. I was there. I watched all the goals and I was like, freaking hell, 36 million seems cheap. <laughs> he was unbelievable. And he was he was obviously jumping on uh, Klopp's back and uh, then you're thinking, yeah, this guy is this guy is unbelievable. So yeah, I I think Bowen is actually a signing that could work. And he's look, he's not gonna be a starter, but I think I, I actually don't think it'll happen because no. I think a lot of stories are being thrown out at the moment and it's something that Keith mentioned about the way these journalists are working. There is now so much... Uh, I, I'm going to have to mute here, lads. The TV is after coming on. I'll come back to you. <laughs> no, no, worries. No, worries. <laughs> no worries, Phil. Take your time. Keith, I'll, I'll, I'll come to you because, Gav, if you if you pull up... Um, if you could pull up the average positions for, for Bowen, because I, I have to be honest... 
when I first seen it, the, the news kind of break, I was a little bit underwhelmed given some of the players that we were we, we were ultimately looking to to target. Um, and then I started to do a little bit of digging in terms of of the player. He's obviously versatile. Uh, you can look at all the different positions that he's played. But then one thing that struck me, and I think Phil touched on it perfectly, he works really hard. So if you look at his average positions that he takes up when playing on on the right. He's, you know, particularly when you compare the likes of, of a Mo Salah, who would often be high. Uh, he doesn't really offer Trent too much protection. Um, whereas a Jared Bowen, if you know, when you when you look at the average positions he takes up on the pitch, he offers a lot more protection. So that would allow Trent to to overlap and and, and be covered. When you kind of look at you know some of the some of the things that Phil mentioned. The fact that he works hard, the fact that he's versatile, he can go left, he can go right, he can create, and the fact that it's very difficult to recruit a player that is ultimately going to be, dare I say, it fifth choice. When you look at the the strikers that we got, we got the fame front three, we got Jota that's come in who hasn't really been given the the the, the floor yet to the floor yet to, to show what he can really do over a consistent period of time. When you look at it, and all things considered, and the fact that it would touch on the homegrown quota, is this the type of deal that you think would make sense for Liverpool? Right, I think it's twofold. I think if you look at the player and the profile, Phil is right. He he brings a lot of the attributes that Klopp likes, and I think very similar to when John McGinn was linked. I'm a huge John McGinn fan, and I think he brings the same sort of hunger and desire, and fits a profile that Liverpool like. Andy Robertson is one that came out of nowhere and everyone was going mad about Mane. Salah. Everyone went apeshit about Salah because he'd flopped at Chelsea and were like, we're paying 30-odd million for this fellow. What's going on? You have to trust these lads that they're going to know what they're doing. Now, Jared Bowen, the stats, all that stuff, the profile, the homegrown element of it, yeah, I'm all over that. The problem I have with Jared Bowen being linked is... Jared Bowen went to West Ham for 20 million or 20, 20 odd million. He's not going to come cheap. And I know, you know, we paid 40 million for Jota. I don't think we should be paying 40 million for a player to, to meet the homegrown quota in the squad. I think there could be better options for less money than Jared Bowen. I don't know any off the top of my head, but I'm sure there is a few. But as a player, I like him and I think he's one that, you know, if you could do a deal, which you want, I don't know what West Ham's finances are like, but, you know, if they wanted to do a straight swap for Divock Origi, I'd be all over taking Jared Bowen into the squad because of what he gives and the style of play that he has, I think he would settle in nicely. The only problem for me is that the price will be too high for his position in the squad and to, to fill a quote with there's a there's a comment that come in from Joshua Pritchard in the chat and he said uh, how are you guys gassing up an average player like Bowen I don't think it's a case of of gassing up a player I think yeah. it's trying to understand why that type of player would be linked for Liverpool and I think it's been shown in the past that Liverpool don't always go for the conventional option and I think it's interesting to try and see why you know this player would be be on any type of list that we're looking at because let's be honest Liverpool haven't got many transfers wrong and you know James if, if I come to you when you look at some of the numbers, uh, you know, he got eight Premier League uh, goals, five assists in 2021 uh, that made him the fourth most productive player at West Ham and Liverpool combined. Uh, but an interesting stat is he, of the 29 chances he created, 11 were big chances. And again, you know, like when we talked about Harvey Barnes, 
this was certainly something that I felt Liverpool were lacking. Uh, you know, last season in terms of creating quality chances, it felt like, you know, we were getting into the same areas and it was hopeful passes rather than maybe players that can break a line. And look, let's be honest, the more you play against Liverpool, the more we come up against two deep lines, low block, and it's very, very difficult to find space. So I'm not surprised to see the the, the likes of a Harvey, uh, uh, Harvey Elliott, sorry, coming back into the squad and this type of profile of player who's comfortable going either way, can operate in tight spaces and, and ultimately create. I, I totally agree with you, Jamie. And, and and again, just a second, what you're saying about some of the comments in the uh, in 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 the uh, in the chat. Unfortunately, you know, it's just not sexy. That and that's what people want. Yeah. You know, and I said it earlier on on Redman. If there was an accent on the E in his last name, fans would be all over it. But there just there just isn't. He's an English player. He's got a bit of talent. He fits the profile. What we're after. We've seen it before, and there was a fantastic link um, on Twitter, which I saw the other day, and it was the the news column for when we uh, had the interest and signed Andy Robertson. And if you read back through the comments that are on there, it is absolutely horrendous, some of the stuff that was said when we signed Andy Robertson. And now, look, we've got one of the best fullbacks in world football. Let's be honest. You know, if you look at his, if you look at Robertson's stats versus... Luke Shaw, who was being raved about this year, Robertson tops him in terms of creativity and, and getting forward. And that's what we want from our fullback. So, like you said, Liverpool have been vindicated in the past and we very rarely got a transfer wrong. The sticking point for me is is the price tag. That's the sticking point. Um, and, and again, we touched on price tag with the Sadio Mane thing and so on and so forth. And we've been wowed before, but to go out and, and, and pay and pay probably what would be forty million pounds for 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 a player that isn't a for, in in essence isn't a forty million pound player just would hurt me because there, there there's others out there available. I mean, some guys in the chat were referring to Rafinha. Yes, Rafinha is available, but unfortunately, Rafinha doesn't meet the homegrown quota. Liverpool are in serious danger of not of not meeting that quota. So there's a lot. There's probably a lot more that's going into this transfer than just Jared Bowen's ability. It's the whole package for Liverpool as a, as, as a club. You know, he's the kind of player that Klopp can work with. We've seen that from his stats. His running stats are unbelievable. His goal involvement is 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 absolutely fantastic, and arguably was a shining light in a West Ham team which has had a massive resurgence over the last year. I do believe there are other factors in that, but Jared Bowen was a standout performer along with him, with, with Thomas Suchek and Jesse Lingard and, and Mikel Antonio. They all performed at a decent standard. So when you look at his football from last season, you kind of think, do you know what? This boy has got a little bit of talent. He can potentially do something. And we've said it already, Klopp's ability to actually develop players and bring players on to that next level, that is priceless. There's not many coaches in world football that can do that. So if we are going to go out and get a player that's a Jared Bowen, that again, hasn't got a sexy surname and doesn't excite all the fans, we're probably best placed to bring that player in and actually get something out of them and produce a player which is going to do what we need them to do. And arguably, if they go on the pitch and do the job for Liverpool Football Club, what does it matter if it's Gerard Bowen, John McGinn or, or whoever else it might be? We've got to do what is right for Liverpool Football Club. And, you know, go out and get players that actually want to play for the shirt, that are going to run through brick walls for the manager, that are going to produce the results that we're looking for. 
Phil, final question to to finish uh, because this is something that, that Gav had mentioned in the in the uh, on Twitter today after I'd put out a tweet about the the show tonight and the fact that we're going to be talking about Bowen, and it, it's actually a, a sentiment that's been shared in the comments from a few people. Should Liverpool be ultimately looking to bring in a player that looks to um, replace? some of the the famed front three rather than somebody that would ultimately be a fifth choice, you know, coming in to replace the likes of a Divock Origi. Should we really be going all out? Particularly if you think of, you know, uh, James mentioned before, you know, uh, succession planning and, you know, the fact that we, we've got players that are ultimately out of contract soon. Should we be going big with, with an attacker at this stage? Or do you think a, a type of a Bowen player fits the bill? Well, there's a few ways you can approach it. If you go with somebody like Bowen, we know that he's already a very good Premier League player, but he hasn't hit a ceiling yet. He's 24. You think if Klopp gets a hold of him, he can bring him to a different level. And also while he's doing that, you know, he can be a bit, a bit of a bit part player, but he also, you have the graphic up there of the different positions. He can play in a deeper role as well. So it, it's not exactly that he'd be a like for like for Salah because he could actually... We've seen as well, he could play on the right. You could put Salah through the middle. You know, the, the front three can be changed up. Jota can come in there as well. What Liverpool need, if they want to be able to maintain a challenge in all these competitions, is to be playing. What we've, we saw last season is if Liverpool don't play at full intensity, then there's a serious drop-off. Obviously, injuries are part of that as well. But it's very hard to go out and buy a, a top-class, already established player and they're looking at the front three and they're thinking, will I actually get into that team? So Liverpool have almost... The, the front three have created a problem for Liverpool because they've been so good that when you sign for Liverpool, you basically have to prove that you can be trusted to replace one of them during a game and then you can go to a new level that you can actually replace them in the long term. And so far, there hasn't been a player just like that just yet. But Jota showed glimpses before he got injured that, you know, he, he has a, a bright future at Liverpool. And somebody like Bowen could come in and, as I said, if he, he reaches that ceiling of potential, who knows, he could be a, he could be a star for Liverpool. You take a risk with all, with all these transfers. But as I said, to, to go out and sign, like Mbappe is a player that always gets mentioned with Liverpool. But Liverpool are not signing Mbappe. And roll to the credit. <laughs> we'll have to cancel that show we were doing on Killian Mbappe yeah. tomorrow then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Liverpool will probably not sign Mbappe. This is the thing though with transfers is yeah. when you're linked to players like this, it gets fans excited. So Liverpool fans would have seen Jared Bowen and they would have been very underwhelmed by it today. They thought, Jesus, they you know, finished third last season, need to close the gap in City and we're in for Jared Bowen. And you could see the reaction. There was a few a few people that thought you can see the, that it makes sense. Um, I don't know if it'll happen. So I think there's going to be a lot of stories thrown out um, about Liverpool in the next few weeks, whether it's contract negotiations, players coming in. One thing we know is Liverpool is a massive club. If their name is mentioned in an article, people click. If their name is mentioned in a paper, people buy the papers. So I can tell you now that just 
we see it every day in work that you, you go through the transfer rumours and you think Liverpool are not signing that player, but it's great to be linked with. Manchester United have the same thing. Players getting linked with them because it's a great negotiating block for a player yeah. that might get a move somewhere else. They're like, well, you know, Liverpool are sniffing after our player here. So if you don't move quickly and then they sign for someone that is nowhere in the same stratosphere as Liverpool and you think Liverpool are never after that player. But I think, yeah, I, I said the more I thought about Bowen, I actually think it could be a successful signing. And if you want to take the price off it a bit, maybe you throw in an exchange, a part exchange, whether it's a Rigi or a Shakiri or a Harry Wilson. I think you touched on something interesting there, particularly when you look at the, the the heat maps, as I said, you know, the idea that Salah could potentially move central for some games and give us a, a different option, because I, I definitely think that Mo Salah, I actually really like him centrally. Uh, I think his ability to kind of, I think you see that there was a famed goal, I think it was against Leicester where Harry Maguire got too tight. Mo Salah is an absolute expert at rolling players, um, you know, and, and centre-backs get too tight and then all of a sudden he's away. And then you'd get the industry, the work rate of Bowen and his ability to go left and right. So be interesting to see how uh, how that one plays out. Um, and I know people have, have scoffed at it, but I think when you look a little bit deeper, uh, I think Sam Maguire did an excellent article um, uh, that he he shared today on it. Um, and obviously Squawker that we've got the graphic up at the moment did an excellent article. So I would recommend anybody to go check them out because uh, it definitely does good a good bit of insight into the player aside from what we think we know. Um, so there's definitely, definitely an interesting read there. Now, lads, um, we're over the hour. Um, it seems like we got through the show without too many hiccups. Mm-hmm. Everything seemed to work perfectly. Gav has sat quietly in the background. Uh, good job, Gav, if you can hear us. I don't know if you're going to join us, but um, super, super job. I know for a fact the hours that Gav has been putting in um, to try and pull not only this show, but this standard of show for, for all of the new shows that we've got coming uh, for the for the season. So uh, a tip of the hat to Gav. He's put in some sterling work. Now, lads, before we wrap up, obviously a big thank you to you all for joining us. Um, Keith, Phil, James, uh, absolute yeah. pleasure. James, before we wrap up, what have you got coming up on the Red Sea this week? Got a few bits, actually. So on Thursday, uh, we kick off with our second uh, instalment of our tier list. So what we've been doing is going through the the the, the team sort of from back to front. We've done the uh, centre um, the centre back tier list. Uh, we've done the wings. Uh, we're now on the centre midfield. So last week uh, we discussed some of the top draw centre midfielders that that we've had over the years, and we broke it down into two elements. So we had twelve last week. We've got 12 this week, and that's with our friends over at Football Focus. So, guys, don't miss out on that. That's going to be an absolutely cracking show. Uh, heading into uh, the the weekend, obviously, on Friday, we are here with yourselves on LFC Day Trippers, giving you your match reaction for the uh, the latest preseason game for Liverpool. And, guys, we really, really can't wait to come over and do Red Sea full-time on that. I know that my co-host, SS, is absolutely buzzing. And um, you can see him in the comments, uh, obviously, with the Red Sea podcast in there as well, getting involved with uh, a couple of the other viewers in there as well. Uh, and then heading into next week, we're going to have Transfer Tuesday, um, where we discuss all the latest rumours that are swirling around for Liverpool Football Club. Uh, Gav joined us yesterday on our Transfer um, Tuesday instalment as well, guys. So um, if, if you're obviously you're in the, uh, in the comments, head over to the Red Sea podcast, give us a like, give us a subscribe. And uh, you can catch some of our content on there. And please, 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 please look out for our away kit review 
uh, which we're going to be doing next week as well. We're going to be delving into a little bit of heritage and history in regards to the current um, away kit. And if you want to as well, head over to my Twitter and the Red Sea Podcast Twitter as well and check out the Kill It Dead in your sliders football challenge. Yeah, get involved, guys. Send your videos in. I will retweet every single video that's sent to me. And, uh, you know, I will I will pose a challenge back. So if anybody wants to take on Tiago's father for technical ability, challenges are welcomed. <laughs> Good man. And Phil, yeah, you're off on holiday for a couple of weeks, but delighted to say you're going to be joining us regularly of a Wednesday night for next season. Yeah, absolutely. Taking a, a couple of weeks off. Um, still get to see a few games over there. And uh, I'll, I'll be back with a new setup. Won't be as impressive as Gav set up tonight. She's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Because look, I, I work in radio, and when things go wrong, no one can see the look of panic in your face. But when you're on screen and things go wrong, then you're up the shits. But it's been brilliant, and seamless. So fair play, Gav. And uh, I know he's probably was he was probably blown into a brown bag before the start of the show. But it's been it's been absolutely classic and seamless. So um, yeah, but looking forward to the, the season ahead. Optimistic. Seeing Verza Van Dyke and Joe Gomez sitting beside each other on the touchline last night definitely uh, get, warms the cockles. And uh, yeah, hopefully a couple of, of additions and that hunger and the crowd back and Liverpool uh, back challenging for the title and trying to win it again. Good man, delighted to have you on board. So before we wrap up, big thank you to everybody in the chat for your comments as always. If you haven't liked the video, please make sure you do before you leave. And if you wouldn't mind just leaving us a comment underneath the video, let us know what you think of the new setup. And look, this these shows are just as much yours as they are ours. We do them for you. So your feedback, what you want to see more of, what you want to see less of, what did you like, what did you not like, let us know and, and we'll make sure we build it in. This was very much a test run ahead of the new season and we're always looking to get better with every show. So uh, leave us your comments underneath the video. Hope you've all enjoyed the show. Make sure you enjoy the rest of your week and we will be back with you again next Wednesday on the Midweek Fix. All the best. Sports Social Podcast Network.